the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel reading is actually a teachable moment for Jesus and his disciples. The last few weeks, excerpts have been all those parables that pastor's been preaching on from Matthew chapter 13. And although the disciples said that they understood what Jesus was trying to teach them, apparently they needed this experience too, and it's only the first of several. But now, since it is recorded in the Bible, it's a teachable moment for us as well. And it begins, now, when Jesus heard this, and the, this is the execution of John the Baptist. Remember Salome bringing his head to Herod on a platter? Well, you might recall also that um, he was the cousin of Jesus. So we could spend a lot of time considering how Jesus felt because of that and how unfortunate that when he came ashore, there were all these people who had followed him on foot. A lot of other questions. I mean, you know, we could ask why there's no mention of the disciples until they ask about sending the people away because it's evening and, and other things. Uncharacteristically, Mark, who also has this in his gospel, he tells us that the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. Oh, that Jesus not only healed, but he taught as well. He even mentions that the grass is green. Uncharacteristically, Matthew, amidst all of that, he focuses rather on the different ways that Jesus looks at the crowds and the way the disciples do. And the question is, well, what's the point that Matthew was inspired to record for our benefit today? Jesus looks at the crowd and he sees that they're hungry on several levels. And by the way, the uh, line drawings that we'll be seeing are by Annie Valaton, who for a number of years illustrated Bibles for the American Bible Society. That these people have followed Jesus on foot tells them that they're hungry, but not really for physical food, for Jesus, for himself, and the healing power that's come out from him. So he has compassion on them. But now the disciples have been sort of watching from the sidelines and somehow they just see the, the physical hunger of the crowds. If Jesus hasn't figured it out, they'd better remind him it's evening and he's got these 5,000 hungry families in front of him. You see their problem in ours? They're trying to put the problem in Jesus' lap while remaining out of the equation themselves. You know, let's hope and pray that he takes care of the situation and they know what he should do. Send them away. With the COVID-19 pandemic keeping most people at home and some in quarantine for two weeks, there's a real temptation for us to remain out of that equation, just hoping the world will spin around, hoping that God or maybe a pharmaceutical company will do something about it. I don't know about you, but at times I'm quite content and uninvolved as I watch the world from a distance at home on the TV or the computer. And you know, before we started these services again, that once included church. 
Oh, yeah, there's the Yankees finally getting back to playing. There's our senators speaking again. And there's that church service. Except that, boy, that game has gotten slow lately. And I've heard that speech before, and I don't like that hymn. Is there anything else that we could watch? Just watch. Just to bring in the epistle today, the Jewish people were blessed with all those promises down through the ages, but a lot of them were simply content to know all that, period. Those prophecies about a Messiah coming were nice, but they might be for some time in the future. Who knew? Except for the firebrands who were trying to get the Romans out of there, for most people, they just lived with it. It was just fine. Being content with having one's own needs met is what can happen to us as a congregation as well. Sunday or Friday for a videotaped service comes along, the church is open, the pastor, the organist, the tech are here, and we're being filled. What's wrong with that? What's the problem? Well, to find out, let's get back to those disciples. How jarring when Jesus forces the disciples to get involved. You feed them. Us? You gotta be kidding. Well, bring me what you have. Now, note that five loaves and two fish would not have fed those 12 disciples, let alone who else was going with them. They probably would have had to go shopping themselves. But Jesus blesses, breaks, and then gives, which is basically what he does for us when he gives himself in the Lord's Supper. Jesus does the miraculous work, but only after he's asked the disciples to give the little that they had, and then not until he's connected them and the food and the people. In a nutshell, their problem, at least at this point in their training, is that they are content to be only disciples. They believe as best they can that Jesus is the Messiah and can do almost anything, and they are his loyal followers. But for all their trouble in truly understanding him, that's a lot easier than facing the crowd with all their problems. That would really be uncomfortable. But when Jesus gives those loaves and fish to them to distribute, there's another miracle that happens. And it isn't just that those 5,000 families are fed. It's that there are 12 baskets of leftovers, which is a lot more than the five loaves and two fish that the disciples started with. He hasn't forgotten their needs. He just wanted them to turn around and feed the people first. Think about it, I mean, how embarrassing that they had told Jesus to dismiss that hungry crowd to fend for themselves. How embarrassing they never thought to ask him if he might want them to do something. So at this point, they're not even near the goal of this teachable moment, which was to turn around from being disciples to being apostles, from being disciples who are taking in what Jesus is teaching 
to becoming apostles that are sent out with his message, trying to figure out what the people needed to be part of his compassionate caring. It's interesting that uh, when Matthew lists the calling of the 12 disciples, he calls them apostles, and then the rest of his gospel, they're disciples. In contrast, when Luke writes, and remember, Dr. Luke accompanied St. Paul on some of his missionary journeys, he calls them apostles throughout his gospel. Now, in contrast to disciples who keep uh, looking toward their teacher for guidance and spiritual nourishment, apostles face outward, virtually overflowing with the message that they carry. The 12 heard the parables and thought they were ready, but they still had a lot to learn. Now, today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 14. We don't live in that chapter. We don't live in, in the first uh, century even. We, we still have to, to learn what it is that we are trying to do in our time. I just copied out my sermon wrong. Ha! Huh. Okay. We have things that God wants us to do. And to figure that out, at times it might even seem like he's saying, well, if you want to be a good Christian, you have got to do all this stuff. Let's remember where the power is. The power is in the gospel itself, not in how we deliver it. In fact, unless the Holy Spirit uses us, no one's going to truly listen. And, and that's because when you look at it, the gospel is really radical for people who haven't heard it. It looks that way already in the Old Testament, that, that invitation there. We just sort of heard it and we say, well, okay. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And that was the good news as people heard it back then, the promise of the Messiah, and now it's got, you look at those words and don't they sort of sound like a circus hawker? Step right up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, have I got something for you. Right inside this tent on this hot day, we've got pure bottled water and it's free. Yes, you heard me, free. But wait, there's more. For a limited time only, we've got wine for the adults and milk for the kiddies and it's all free. You see the gospel by itself doesn't make sense to a lot of people, to people who have yet to come to faith. That's because that's not the way our world operates. What happens if you make a mistake? You have to make it up to your friend, the company, the IRS. But after you've paid every penny, you've repeated how sorry you are, there's little guarantee that it's not going to influence your future relationship or your credit rating or how many times you're going to be audited. So if you do tell someone about the grace of God who paid for all sins by sending his son to die on the cross for us so that salvation is free, so we don't have to repay God uh, for all that we owe him, on first hearing, it doesn't make any sense. People will say, yeah, right, what's the catch? That being the case, how are we supposed to get through to them 
how are we supposed to be apostles? You know, it's hard enough to get people to wear face masks these days. How can we even get up the nerve to say or do anything? Well, you know, we really can't as we would try to do it because we want to be good Christians. We are not telling God anything he doesn't know about what we need or what the other people need. And he knows how hard it is for us to say or do something. And that's why, I'm quite sure, our Lord included thy will be done in the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that's why Luther explained the good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. See what happens? Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're asking to be involved. We can't watch it. We're asking to be shaken out of our contentment. There's an old saying, when you pray, duck. Yeah. It might just get answered. We're really only asking God to do for this other person through us what he first did for each one of us, to work faith. Look, before the disciples were delivery men, they were recipients. Before we might act like apostles, we need to recognize that we're so blessed to be called, considered disciples. That day, the disciples received bread and fish to fill their stomachs. Today, our Lord gives us his body and blood to feed our souls, and his word that's been poured into our hearts. It's like God gives us a full basket of blessings and then asks, now, what would you like to do with that? And he gives us each other to share God's love, to overflow what's been put into our hearts. One way to answer what he's going to do, wants us to do, is to just look at what you've received. Five loaves and two fish seemed meager to the twelve, but Jesus made the most of them. Maybe your resources seem to be only listening ears, or a dependable car, a few dollars, a few fish even, plus the totally free, precious gospel. You see, talking about faith makes more sense when your friend gives you permission to consider something that important. And that might take a trusting relationship and even a caring track record. Whatever you do or give, fear not. You can't give away God's love. There's always more behind. You've received it without cost. But this free thing that you do give away, when you give it away, you get a very nice return. You're going to end up with a full basket of blessings, just like the 12. Baskets full of smiles on people's faces, thanks in their hearts, and maybe even people who are eternally grateful. Now, just in case you hesitate doing anything like that, because today it might seem like that's outside your comfort zone, uh, well, be sure and come back 
next week because that's another teachable moment, the second in this series. See you then, in Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.